You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 49. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. everybody. It's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio Podcast. Today, I have a special guest from my hometown, New York City, in the house, yes, from Manhattan, where I was born and raised, Dr. Jason Pikin. I want to tell you a little bit about him, and he's going to help us focus in on leaky gut today. So if you've ever been wondering, what is leaky gut and what's all the hullabub about leaky gut, you're going to find out today. So Dr. Jason is a New York City and virtually based chiropractor, nutritionist, and health coach who helps people with chronic pain and digestive issues address the root causes of their illness by intervening on the three stressors to health, including physical, chemical, and emotional stress. He focuses on healing the underlying causes of disease to restore wellness, which he believes is our innate state. So welcome, Dr. Jason. How are you? I'm doing well, Doc. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be fun. It is. So glad to have you. New Yorkers are always so up and coming with the latest thing. And so we're going to talk about leaky gut today, really focus in on that. I know you're an expert in lots of different areas, but I think this is something that people really are curious about and they've heard about it, but they don't really know what it is. And because they're not hearing about it at their regular doctor's office, if they're having digestive issues, listen up if this is you, and you go to your regular doctor and you don't ever hear them mention leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability, the technical term, you probably wonder, well, what are all these people talking about? So we're going to get into it today. So Dr. Jason, what is leaky gut? Well, simply put, this is how I like to describe it. When you put food in your mouth, it's currently not inside your body. It's just passing through this tube that goes from your mouth out to your anus. Okay, and while it's passing through that tube, it's getting broken down by mechanical means and by acids and digestive enzymes into tiny little parts. And then if it's passing through this tube, I talk with my hands a lot. So anybody only listening is going to It's a New York thing. It's a New York thing. I got to. So if it's passing through this tube uh, and there's a wall in the tube and the tube has to open up to allow things to come into the body. If the wall is broken down, if it has, you know, I'm simplifying and saying holes, or it's really like a gate system where the gate opens up to allow like a piece of folic acid to come into the bloodstream. Uh, If that gate opens too slowly, stays open too long, or there are, you know, perforations, well, it's really not going to be that serious. But if the, the gut is leaky, it's allowing things into the body that it's not supposed to, it's not blocking the toxins from the body and the undigested particles. And when those start to circulate around your bloodstream, your body sees that as an offender and your immune system reacts. And that basically is the, you know, the premise of inflammation and how food or what you put in your mouth can start to cause inflammation in your body. 
Right. So I want if I had like a tire screeching, I'd run it like, wait a minute, because okay. this is revolutionary because people, I explain to them all the time, just what you said about when you put food in your digestive tract, it's not really inside your body. And they're like, wait a minute, what did she just say? And so same thing with what you just said, wait a minute, what did Dr. Jason just say? So I just want to reiterate it. And I think the more ways we can say things that people can hear us and understand, the better chance we have on it landing that it means something to them. And then they'll start noticing in their daily life what they're putting in and how they interact with their gut. And so what Dr. Jason just said is that the tube that goes from your mouth to your anus is actually, even though it's inside your body, the, it has a barrier, a huge barrier to how the things that you put in there interact with the rest of your body. So it's not the same as putting something inside your peritoneal cavity, for instance, that houses all your internal organs. You're not putting it, snugging it up right next to your liver, right? You're not right. putting it next to your kidneys. So you are this tube goes from top to bottom and it's technically inside our body, but it's almost like an aquarium. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped into my head because it's an isolated environment that has its own milieu. And like Dr. Jason said, gates keep things from going in and out. And yeah, your goal is to break the building blocks of the food down, take in the things you need and leave the rest. Everybody's happy. But when those gates become leaky and porous and the wall is no longer like an aquarium, it becomes more like fishnet stockings and stuff is going in and out, that's when you have a problem. And that's when these toxic chemicals get really inside your body and your body says, wait a minute. So what happens when, when these toxins get inside the body? Well, it's again, it's an activation to your immune system. Uh, the body sees a foreign object and it tags it as dangerous um, and it tags it with an antibody. And if it's something like an antibody, like an IgG, IgA, these are types of antibodies in our body, we might have a mild reaction. Our immune system is just kind of mildly reacting and we might not even feel it, um, but it's, it's, it's causing a little battle. Uh, compared to if we tag it with an IgE antibody, that's more of an allergic reaction, our body can have more serious reactions, and those that we can feel. But what I have to educate people most of the time is, is that most of the time we don't feel those mild allergic or food sensitivity reactions uh, that happen because we've let things in and they're not tagged properly. There's not a severe enough reaction. It's like a, a special ops force uh, compared to a major battle. And you don't feel the special ops force, but if you keep spend, sending special ops forces throughout your life, the body will eventually cross a line and start to have a more serious reaction. Right. And so how would someone suspect that they might have one of these untagged, not food allergies, but food sensitivities? What are some of the things they might notice? Well, what I look for is any chronic symptom. It really, I, I hate to say that it could be anything, but it literally can be. There are things that are more common, especially mm -hmm. like inflamed joints, chronic shoulder and neck pain, low back pain, knee pain, things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Chronic skin conditions, especially like a redness 
an itchiness in the skin, um, headaches, anything that doesn't go away in a few weeks, you want to start thinking, well, why isn't this going away? I used to heal when I was a kid. I'd get a problem and then it would disappear. Well, why isn't it happening anymore? It's not like your body forgot how to heal. The problem is it's being burdened by something. Mm -hmm. And that's either a physical stress that you're putting your body through, you're, you're physically pushing your body too hard, um, or it's a, an emotional stress that's tensing your body up or changing the chemistry and not allowing you to heal. Or like we're talking about leaky gut, it's a chemistry insult. If you're eating something that your body has a sensitivity to, and I like to use gluten because so many people do feel better when they get that out of their life, even though it's not ubiquitous, it's not for everybody. Um, uh, but when you take that away and you feel better, well, then you know that you've probably been offending your body on a small basis at least mm -hmm. for a very long time. Right, and, and, and that's great information. And what I love to help people understand is that these symptoms become masked. And sometimes people will say, well, I stopped gluten for a month and I didn't notice any difference. Well, it's probably because there are other foods you're sensitive to and you probably have some degree of leaky gut. So these other foods that you're eating are gonna pick up the slack where gluten left off. So you remove gluten, you don't notice a difference. You may still be sensitive to gluten, but because these symptoms will become masked, M-A-S-K-E-D, then you don't realize that when you just take one food out that you're sensitive to that food because you don't get the results because they're masked by these other foods. And some other symptoms I love to tell people that they might experience is, and, and you might not realize this, but if you pay attention, you'll notice that if your heartbeat goes up more than 15 beats per minute after you eat a certain food, you probably have a sensitivity to that food. So that's something you can start paying attention to. And once I learned about this, I started really noticing that, wow, after I eat certain things, my heart really is going and I can actually hear it in my ears. Uh, and so that's how, that's what will alert me. I have a lot of food sensitivities or used to, I have way fewer now, but if I eat something, uh, like my daughter and I went out uh, a couple weeks ago and I ate something at an Indian restaurant, which is typically pretty healthy. And my heart rate just went whoop. And I was like, I went back and I said to them, like, what do you have in here? Uh, my first thought was MSG because I had other strange symptoms going on. But um, that's, that's a great point you just made that yeah. you actually can reduce your food sensitivities. You can get better. Uh, and that's what people don't realize, you know, they, they, you know, say, well, I just keep getting worse and worse and nothing's working, but they, the mistake that they made is just like you said, they might've taken out gluten or gluten and dairy, but if they have multiple food sensitivities, it doesn't work. That's why I created my leaky gut diet protocol, uh, which yeah, I'm offering to anybody that is listening uh, today uh, for free. They can just download it from my website. And what it is, is an elimination reintroduction diet. It's eliminating large groups of foods. Uh, and if you feel better, well then great. You have to live in that better feeling body for a few weeks to kind of set up a baseline. And then when you reintroduce foods very slowly and systematically, you can get a sense of how things are actually affecting you rather than going gluten-free for a week and then eating it. it it's just not enough time, uh, not enough of a controlled experiment to really sense what's going on. 
Right. And, and you've got to heal the gut to some degree, too, because if leakiness is still going on, then you're actually going to become sensitive to foods that you typically wouldn't be. So I would we're going to put the link to that freebie definitely in the show notes for people so they can go and download it and they can do the elimination diet and find out how to do it properly, do it themselves and um, figure out what foods are sensitive to. So what are some other things that might contribute to leaky gut? Um, well, it could be intestinal infections um, that, could, that are very common. Uh, usually, like most people I see, because I have a, a strong, a high gut practice, I have some type of parasites, yeast, candida, and unless we eliminate the microbe that's irritating their gut, they also can't heal. It's not only about the foods, even though the foods are important and the foods can keep feeding the wrong microbes, okay, those parasites, those offenders. And it also could be dysbiosis, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is something like SIBO. Uh, SIBO stands for a small intestine bacterial overgrowth. That doesn't necessarily mean you have any bad bugs in your gut. You could have these friendly bugs that have traveled to the wrong place. Instead of living in your large intestine and setting up shop there and helping you to be healthier, they've migrated up to your smaller intestine. And then they, they're not supposed to be there in large numbers, so they can cause irritations to the intestinal wall, creating that leaky gut. Right. And so you touched on a lot of great points. Let's talk about parasites, because most people who are listening are probably thinking, I don't have any parasites. I live in America. Wrong. 60% of people who live in America actually have parasites, most, most of which are benign, supposedly. However, let's talk about that. What's the incidence? What's the likelihood somebody has one? What are the risk factors? How would you know? That's a lot of questions. So That's um, right. <laughs> yeah, so let, let's go. What, what is the likelihood that you have one? I'd say that 60% is a nice estimate, but I, I'd say maybe it's even higher. Um, and the fact is that you probably won't know because if you have like a, a ratio of gut microbes and you have, let's say it's a 90-10, 90% of these microbes that live in your gut are beneficial. They're suppressing those parasites. They're suppressing the bad bugs that are living within you. And you're probably going to go throughout life and not be affected. Um, and, but if those ratios start, start to change from an 80-20 to a 70-30 uh, to a 60-40, the more likely you are to start feeling it. And what you'd be feeling is either you know, weight loss, weight gain, chronic pain, inflammation in your joints. It just, again, it can go on and on. Uh, one of the ways to test is just simply doing a stool test. Um, there's few different stool tests that are, you know, the technology has gotten a lot better out there, but it's also why I use some applied kinesiology. Um, and sometimes we just actually have to experiment with herbs because testing, all types of testing has its flaws and you can't solely rely on tests, even though you want to do them. Sometimes we do some experimenting as long as it's, we feel it's safe. Right, and, and most of these parasites are spread by fecal-oral routes, so they may come on fruits and vegetables from foreign countries as a source, or if you travel to foreign countries and you get them through water, 
um, but they're really ubiqui ubiquitous now because we have this global economy and vegetative economy as well. We eat food from all over the world and people in your general neighborhood come from all over the world. And you may or may not have gastrointestinal symptoms. I, I used to love the DNA probe. That So the typical test, the ova and parasites where you look under the microscope for it, I'm sure you know, it misses a lot of parasites. But when we had the DNA probe where you can actually test for these, I would sometimes find three and four parasites in one person. And the, the dramatic effects that you can get by uh, removing these, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so if you're suffering with chronic problems, like Dr. Jason said, this might be the issue. And I loved how you mentioned applied kinesiology to test for them. I don't think most people are aware of what that tool is. Can you talk about that? Sure. It's it, it, like we mentioned before when we were speaking, applied mm -hmm. kinesiology is um, a form of biofeedback. The, the body teaches you things. There's only so much that you can describe with your mouth how you're feeling. There's, it's only a small list of symptoms that you can name. It doesn't, you, with your mouth, you can't describe why is this happening. And sometimes the blood tests or the stool tests miss things. So what I like is as many tools as possible. And what the basis of applied kinesiology is, is the body is intelligent and it wants to communicate what's wrong with it. And if you use this tool, applied kinesiology, you can find out some things that other tests can't get to. And there's a couple different versions of applied kinesiology that people have been maybe exposed to or if they haven't heard anything. Some people have heard, if, if you're in the health field, that you can go to a doctor, they can put an offending substance on your body and test your arm and push down on your arm. And if your arm goes weak, that substance is offending you. And you can take a supplement and put it on your body and see if it makes you stronger. This one arm testing or reflex testing is a version of applied kinesiology that I seldom do. Um, it is a, a piece of the puzzle, uh, but the original premise of applied kinesiology says that you should actually study the way the person carries themselves. You should study their posture and any misalignments of their posture. You should actually test each and every individual muscle from the deltoid to the subscap to the teres minor to the lat, like all these different muscles, not using one muscle over and over and over again to get feedback. And again, mm -hmm. I do use that sometimes, but when you pick apart every single muscle, every muscle is connected to a nerve, an acupuncture line, an organ, a group of nutrients. So if you're testing the function of a muscle and it shows up as weak, as not optimally functioning, that tells the practitioner something. And it just gives us more information to, to look for what the cause may be. Right. And isn't it basically a tool to divine an energetic response? So it's a tool to divine the energetic response of your body to something else or what's going on energetically with your body. Isn't that essentially what it is? That's what it is when it comes to the using the vials or putting the food on your tongue or, or on your body mm -hmm. or testing right. a, with whether a supplement is good for you or not. And mm -hmm. you can use that feedback uh, because of the energy of the substance. And it's, again, it's, it's great for people that are um, 
are, are into uh, learning about that and are open to it. And if somebody isn't, we go to more of the classic applied kinesiology route because when I test your quadricep muscle or your hamstring, um, you can actually feel that. You, you can sense that I'm pushing down on a muscle and how it's functioning. Rather than the reflexes, the energy testing, I save that for people that are into it and that are open because it's a great tool. Right. Well, and so, sometimes I always say you don't have to know how, why it works for it to work. And so I've gone to doctors who have done it and they don't give any explanation because some people don't understand about the energy body. And that's actually one of my passions is to teach people about this thing they have that they don't know about called the energy body. And uh, I love it kind of when the light bulbs go off and they say, wow, I do have this thing. And uh, you give them tools to really discern where it is and what it does in their body. And that's why I love the tool of applied kinesiology because it, it cuts through all the cognitive functioning and goes right to the subconscious, which is, you know, part of the energy body. Yeah. It's, so, I get amazed every day what I find in people. I, I, I can't believe it and they can't believe it, but it yeah. works. Yes, right. It does work. So let's get back to leaky guts. We were talking about parasites, and you mentioned SIBO also, which I think a lot of people hear about. What is SIBO? And so I loved your description of how bacteria got in the wrong place because really in the small intestine, you shouldn't have bacteria. They should be in the large intestine. And so when they creep up into the small intestine and you have a proliferation of them, some of your symptoms will be this kind of mid-abdominal bloating, usually 30 to an hour and a half after you eat. Isn't that what you find that people complain about? They get boom. Like, Very common. It's bloating right. is like the number one yes. symptom. It's, and it's gas. Not, it's not the only, but, and, and there is SIBO rather than SIBO with the small intestine fungal overgrowth, which mm -hmm. is part of the test for. But yet, anytime somebody is bloated, I, I assume SIBO is one of the main uh, paths I'm going to go down. Right. And talk about how you test for that. How do you like to discern whether that's an issue? There's, there's two things. One, there's a breath test. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a home kit that I give the patient, uh, and it's a three-hour breath test. You're basically um, taking a sample of a sugar solution that would make the bugs in your small intestine thrive. They'd love to eat it, and that, mm -hmm. that causes them to release a gas, and you're blowing into this tube to collect gas every 20 minutes to see what type of gas might they be producing. And uh, you can get feedback from that. And then that test um, leaves room for interpretation by the practitioner. Uh, there is definitive positives and negatives, which show up as really like, you know, that, that black and white, or um, there's some interpretation that you have to give there based upon when the, the gases are released, uh, and wh what type of mix of gases. And uh, because the test isn't perfect. What I sometimes do is actually just put them on a SIBO-friendly diet, whether it's mm -hmm. a ketogenic diet, which tends to be SIBO-friendly, or mm -hmm. a low FODMAP or a specific carbohydrate diet, depending on what I work out with them. And if they feel better on those diets, well, it's kind of likely, not definitive, but likely that they have SIBO or SIFO, and then we go down that path. Right, and so you mentioned the specific carbohydrate and the FODMAP, low FODMAP diet, and I don't think most people know what those are. Could you help them understand what that is? Right, well, basically the, the bugs inside your gut 
love to eat fiber. They love to eat things that will ferment. So if you can picture eating anything that either has a lot of fiber or that you can make into wine or alcohol very easily. If you eat an abundance of those things, if those bugs love to eat those, well, they're going to make your symptoms worse. Mm -hmm. And so even though fiber is really healthy for you, and I promote a lot of fiber in, uh, in my maintenance programs with people, sometimes we have to remove that fiber uh, from the body uh, and temporary periods of time. And if you feel better, well, then we're starving off those bugs and the, the diet is actually somewhat of a treatment. Right. And so those specific carbohydrate diets only have specific carbohydrates that you'll eat. And the low FODMAP is low in those certain fibers. And you can have like a low, medium and high FODMAP. So these are just diets your clinician might use uh, to help you heal from SIBO along with other treatments. Antibiotics are sometimes a staple of that, although the recurrence rate is very high. And so there are natural treatments that you can use. And let's talk about candida and fungal infections because they're huge. They contribute to myriad diseases, um, including neurodegenerative diseases, dermatologic diseases, all kinds of problems that are contributed to by chronic fungal infections. And I don't think that most people realize that the reservoir for these fungi is the gastrointestinal tract. Yeah, the yeast fungus, candida, whatever you want to call them, are extraordinarily resilient. You have to remember that we are living, and just as passionate as you are about living and, and staying with your life force, well, these microbes want to do the same thing. So once they get exposed to your body, once they're there, they don't want to leave, okay? And so um, if you take the time to starve them off by taking away their food, and use antimicrobials. Some people use antibiotics. I use a lot of herbs in my practice because I, I feel they're actually just as, or sometimes even more effective. They are. Uh, side effects. And if you can kill them off, you might not be able to wipe them out completely because I, I give people this example. If, if you've ever baked, uh, you can go to a, the grocery store and buy a package of yeast uh, which is basically candida, fungus. And it could be sitting on that shelf for like two years in a little packet. No food, no air, nothing. But you put it in a little moist water and you give it a little sugar and it starts to thrive. And so what we have to do to manage yeast is really promote the good friendly bacteria that would keep their numbers down. And, and our body does a really great job. These microbes are symbiotic, they work with us. And if we just encourage those good friendly bacteria to grow, they'll do a pretty good job at suppressing the quote unquote bad ones. Right, I love that analogy, it's so true. You buy the yeast, it's been in a little foil packet on the shelf for years and yes. you give it a little food, a little sugar, a little warmth, a little water, moisture, and it's it goes to town setting up shop. And so you really only ever manage yeast. You don't really get rid of it. And right. that means you can't feed it because it's already warm and moist in your body and in your gut. So all the yeast need is to be fed and that's glucose. And then they proliferate. And it's funny because chronic yeast has been a part of my story 
of okay. healing. And so it's something that I have to walk the line with. How much carbs can I eat to not step over that line? And it's funny because I find working with patients, and I have this too, that we have a symptom that will crop up when we've crossed that line. And I have the weirdest thing. I get these little tendrils that grow off the inside of my mouth. And that mm. lets me know, or it starts as bumps and then it grows off. You've stepped over the line, yeast is going to town because then they'll just start proliferating and they can proliferate anywhere. I know some patients who have psoriasis as part of their story caused by chronic yeast. And so the psoriasis will go away, but then when they step over that line, they have certain patches and they'll know, oh, I stepped over the line. Have you had patients have that kind of experience? Yes. Well, I see yeah. a lot of skin conditions and skin is a telltale sign. The, the things that I have to teach people is it's not an immediate reaction. It's not an allergic reaction where you eat something and then you get it the next day so you can tell, oh, I ate this. It's really a, you know, again, you've crossed the line over the past days and weeks with yeah. too many things that feed the yeast and that can create the toxicity in the body. And then a few days later, the skin will show up. Um, uh, rather than a, an allergy reaction, which hits you hard. Right. And I love that because that's your body talking to you. And I love for people to see that disease or symptoms in your body, it's not a sign, oh, if I get bumps in the inside of my mouth, I need to run to the doctor. I got these bumps. Give me a mouthwash, right? Give me some nice statin, swish and right. swallow, which is an antifungal. That's not the message. The message is your lifestyle and environment are hurting you in a way that's causing you to have dis-ease and your body wants you to come back into balance. So I love it when people get the light bulb that, oh, you mean when I get this little patch of psoriasis, it means I need to step back over the line. It doesn't mean I need to run to the dermatologist and get a cream. So that's it's about learning about your body learning the trends, not being discouraged that you have to manage something. Um, uh, there's plenty of people that have to manage very small things. That's fine. Um, what you don't want to manage is major disease crisis because if you don't pay attention to these small little signs of inflammation, these things that you can live with, the little bumps on your lip that, you know, you could just ignore. Well, think of if left alone and you don't pay attention to the cause, well, what's that going to lead to years down the line? And that's what I just try to get people to understand. It's okay to manage a small thing rather than ignoring and allowing it to turn into a big thing. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I love how you kind of break down the stressors to the body into the three, so emotional, chemical, and physical. So what are any other stressors in those three categories that might contribute to leaky gut, like emotional stressors? Well, how emotions affect you is multifaceted. One, it's just cortisol. Now, it, that's not the only hormone of stress, but it's a, a major hormone of stress. We need cortisol to live. It's the only reason you're opening your eyes and, and sitting in front of me is because you have cortisol in your system. But cortisol is supposed to run with a certain rhythm. It's supposed to be very high in the morning and, and very low in the afternoon. And the way we live our lives is we can push stress at 3, 4, 5 p.m. or 9 p.m. Um, we're activating our nervous system all the time. And when you have high cortisol, it suppresses your ability to digest food. 
the, the chemicals of digestion, the enzymes and the, the acids released for digestion don't do as well in the presence of stress. So what we have to do is we have to learn that if we're stressed that, and we're eating, that might be causing an irritation to our gut. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get rid of stress? You don't. You work on managing it through meditation, learning when to eat, learning to eat the things that cause minimal stress and are easy to digest for you. And, you know, there are even herbs for stress, but basically it's being aware that stress and digestion are intimately related. I know you've actually done an interview with Dr. I think it was Habib on the, the vagus yeah. nerve. Um, and so that's a great one to watch. Um, and uh, the vagus nerve is really that communication between the brain and the gut. And it, you need to pay attention to those signals because stress here can cause gut problems, just like gut problems can go right back up and cause anxiety and depression. And that's why you need to work from it from both ends. Right. And I love that the, everything that you just said. I just want to highlight a few things. So the thoughts you think affect your health and affect your health through your adrenals and your cortisol, your stress hormones. So everybody knows when you go to that scary movie or if I tell you to think about that there's someone hiding in the closet getting ready to attack you, you can increase your heart rate and respiratory rate and have all the effects as if it were actually happening to you. And that's moderated through cortisol. So when you think in those negative emotions, fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, resentment, frustration, that is affecting your health the same way as if you're at that horror movie. You're activating cortisol, raising your heart rate. You're sending blood away from your internal organs, which is about rest and digest, to the periphery, to your muscles, because you might have to be strong and fast to fight somebody off or run away from them. So you, you thinking these thoughts all the time, oh, I have too much to do. I'm stressed. I can't. I can't. It's not enough. It's affecting your health. And so like Dr. Jason is talking about, you can't get rid of how we're biologically wired. All you can do is manage it. And so the tools that he's talking about are key because when your cortisol goes haywire, guess what? It starts affecting that wall of your gastrointestinal tract and making it leaky. And it affects your immune system function. So it increases food sensitivities. And folks, if you're not getting this, that everything's connected, it really is. So I love that you break it down into those three categories, physical, chemical, emotional. What are some chemical stressors that might predispose someone to leaky gut? Well, chemical stresses mainly are foods, um, what we're putting in our body. And if you're eating all the right foods for you and you're eating organic, you're minimizing those chemical stresses. But where else chemical stresses can come from is our environment. You know, I live, I practice in New York City, but I live in northern Westchester. There's a lot of less chemical stresses in northern Westchester on my organic lawn. Uh, but I'm still exposed to carpeting that might have fire retardant, um, a, um, uh, uh, chemicals that might be in dry cleaning fluid, uh, and who knows what carries on in the air. And then when I go to the city, the, the thing I like to mention is if you don't have a perfectly sealed uh, window in New York City, there's always this little black dust on the windowsill, okay? That, you know, it develops after a few weeks or a few months, depending on how good your window is, but you can just kind of swipe it and you'll see this black soot on your finger. Well, where does that soot come from? It, it's floating in the air. 
and I'm on the, you know, the seventh floor in my building. So it's everywhere and, and you're breathing it in. And the body is an amazing detoxifying machine on its own. But somebody came up, uh, up to me a few weeks ago, a skeptic about detox, mm-hmm. saying, well, our bodies detox every day and we don't yeah. need anything. <laughs> well, maybe 200 years ago or 300 years ago, we didn't need much help with detox. Mm-hmm. But the, the onslaught of a, a approximately about 3,800 chemicals that we're exposed to on a daily basis is nothing that our bodies are used to. And if it's coming in faster than it's being released, well, then you have a buildup and accumulation. And that's based upon the environment you're living in and your genetics and, and how well you do it, um, you know, get, getting rid of these. Right. As you were saying that, somebody said that to you, that uh, your body detoxes on yourself by itself. You don't need to do detox, says the man who died prematurely. Is, is what I, I mean, you can pretty much know and that it, it, they've even linked the particulate matter in air chronically inhaled contributes to degenerative diseases, including neurodegenerative diseases, uh, which will affect over 50% of the population in the next couple of decades. So you can be one who just says, oh, that's normal aging, or you can be one who says, no, it's not part of normal aging, and I'm going to protect myself, and this is how I'm going to do it. You know, my mom lived in Manhattan during 9-11, and it's really amazing to me. I know the firefighters who were at 9-11 really suffered chronic health consequences. They were at ground zero inhaling all these aerosolized particulate matter coming off of the debris. Well, that debris, my mom said for months, floated up the Hudson River, and she's up on the Hudson River on the west side, and inhaling this. And it's really amazing how her health deteriorated ever since then. She developed this chronic cough, and she now has Alzheimer's. And I know that that's a direct result of her living there and breathing that because it off-gassed for, I understand, a couple years. So if you're listening, don't underestimate the effect of the toxins that you're inhaling, ingesting in your food, you are applying on your skin every day in the form of cosmetics and toiletries, cleaning products, building products, like Dr. Jason described. So what does somebody do about all of these issues uh, that are affecting them and how do they start to tackle leaky gut? Well, there's, I like to talk with hands again. Okay. So, um, and I'll I'll try to make this more descriptive for people just listening, Uh, but everybody has a breaking point uh, where they're going to get a symptom and, and all your life, you've been accumulating physical stresses from slips and falls and carrying bags and looking down at computers and emotional stresses, which are tensing you up because you're a human being and you deal with emotions. And then these chemical stresses, and they all just keep building up and then we knock them down a little bit uh, by being healthy. But overall, throughout your life, they will reach a point where usually in our 30s, 40s, sometimes if you're lucky, it'll wait until your 50s. Um, where you'll start to hit that breaking point and you'll get a symptom. What we just have to realize is the symptom is the last straw. The, the pain, the headache, the skin irritation, the gut problem, the acid reflux, loose stool, whatever it was, it is very rarely caused by a single trauma that brought you to that point. 
It, rarely do I see the car accident victim. Um, I see the people that have accumulated stress throughout their life and they finally cross the line. So in order to get better, what you have to do is you have to learn about what things in your regular life are stressing you and start to remove them. And because you're not going to be perfect, because we're a human living in modern society, unless you plan on moving to Fiji and being a monk and, and just, you know, spending all time by yourself, well, and you have a million dollars in the bank to support you, um, well, it, you need to just be cognizant that we have to remove the stresses that we can, let's say the low-hanging fruits, the worst things, okay? And then we have to make our bodies more resilient. And that's the other key. You can't do just one. You also have to make your body stronger. When, when it comes to physical, you go to a practitioner, whether it's a chiropractor that does apply kinesiology or massage therapist, acupuncturist, somebody that will relieve those physical stresses from your body, and then you exercise to keep your body toned. And then emotionally, again, you need to get rid of some of the bad stuff. Maybe you do have to do some self-reflection, maybe some therapy to find out what were those things that keep causing you problems. And then you have to learn to be mindful and to meditate and to take breaks in your day. And then chemistry-wise, again, learning what you're putting in your body, learning what environment you're in and what can you get rid of given your lifestyle, where you live, your expenses, and let's try to minimize those and then do a cleanse every once in a while. When it comes to leaky gut, L-glutamine is a, an amino acid. Yeah. There's aloe and licorice. Mm -hmm. um, there's zinc actually is, is good for the stomach. Sometimes you have to take digestive enzymes to help you to break down your food. And if you're somebody that goes on the internet to learn about how to take care of yourself, which I'm assuming a lot of your listeners do. Yeah. Try not to be scared of going forward and asking for more help. The DIY is great. I believe you have an ability to heal yourself if you have enough knowledge. But the people that, tend, that I see in my practice that have learned online have learned from 20 different voices, which have told them 14 different things. And they're confused and they've tried things. They, they've not gone all in on one approach. And that's what I just ask anybody to do. Maybe follow one person, uh, Dr. Kieran, and, and, and just listen to what she says, but go all in and, and really dive deep uh, rather than dabbling. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think starting with, I'm going to ask you the three top take action tips if you suspect you have leaky gut before we go. But I would assume that number one would be to download uh, your information and your program that really gives lots of resources and information for people on action to take. But I'll let you speak. What would be your top three take action tips? Because we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, you, you got number one. It's, it's doing some sort of elimination reintroduction diet. And yeah. my favorite is the leaky gut diet because I came up with it. Well, it's, it's not, it's based upon autoimmune paleo. So that's, that's number one. Number two, I, I will say to, to get tested, uh, either some, uh, a blood test uh, to see if there are signs of inflammation that you can measure to see if you're getting better because you can't only go on symptoms. Doing a stool test to see if you have dysbiosis, if you have enough good bacteria in your gut, if you have any bad bacteria. And then, you know, really... Um, it's, it's committing to change. It's if you've learned about 
these foods are good and these foods are bad. And you've learned that you've had these markers of inflammation and, and gut imbalances. Well, the third thing, and maybe I should have put this number one, yeah. uh, they're all equal, is having the mindset that you simply want to get better. And it's all in. As soon as you make up your mind to get better, that is, I mean, that's like 80, 90% of the work. Just because they dabble. Again, they try, but they're not committed to really making the changes no matter what comes their way. Wow, I love those three take action steps. And I love the things that you said in there because they're so true. If you dabble, what you will find is this will not work. And then you'll say, oh, a functional root cause approach doesn't work. No, it works. It always works when you you set the intention and you take the actions and you decide and you work with somebody or a program, whatever it is for you, whatever resonates for you, it works. But you can't dabble at it, just like you can't dabble at playing the piano and be a concert pianist. Um, So I love those take action tips and we'll put links also to your website and the gift that you're offering everybody in the show notes. And I have so enjoyed having you as a guest. I think you've given so much wonderful information for people. Thank you for that. Thanks. It's only because you ask great questions. (laughs) Thank you. And I'd love it if you could share with everyone what her brilliant health means to you. I thought about this and it really just comes down to to three things. You like the way you look, you like the way you feel, and your numbers are good on lab testing. That's all that matters. Those first two are up to you. There's no shape or form that you have to take. It's that you enjoy who you are as a person and that you're not lying to yourself by walking around with bad numbers. Yes, I love that. And uh, it's, it's so true. So liking not only how you look, how you feel, but also that the lab values merit how you look and feel because a lot of times they belie the truth. So I definitely want to look into that. So thank you so much, Dr. Jason, for being here with us, for sharing yourself and your expertise and your passion for health um, with all of us. We very much appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. Hope uh, your audience gets help. Yes. This is Dr. Kieran. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Wasn't that an awesome interview? Dr. Jason is so knowledgeable about the body, about gut health, how it affects the rest of your health, and what you need to do to figure out if you're having leaky gut and ways to start to heal it. So I hope you'll listen to his take action steps and take action today, right folks? So it's great to have knowledge, but you've got to take action and do some things differently to make different choices for your future health. So I hope you're inspired to do that today. And remember that this episode is brought to you by the Shine Shake, detoxifying, energizing, hormone balancing breakfast replacement shake with 18 grams of protein, low carbs, great vanilla latte flavor that you can pop in your shaker with water and walk out the door with. It's convenient. It's clean caffeine from the green coffee bean from Hawaii. So it'll power you through your day. It has nutrients to help balance your hormones, decrease inflammation in your body, which if you were listening is a cause of disease and it helps to get you on your way. And you can sign up on my website 
website for my Eat This, Not That uh, free course and combine it with the shake and you probably will notice huge benefits to your health in the next few weeks. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you're inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.